Welcome to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. I'm your host, Matt Minharel. The South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast exists as a platform for the voices of apostolic leadership. Here, guests respond to racial and cultural topics from a biblical, historical, and experiential perspective. The South Carolina District Building the Bridge ministry seeks to contribute to the continued advancement of diversity within the United Pentecostal Church International by effectively working towards evangelizing the African-American and Black community. This work involves promoting the inclusion and cultural affirmation within the South Carolina District while providing resources and advice to UPCI ministers on matters of importance to the African-American and Black community. By working with National Building the Bridge leadership, local pastors, and ministers, including those newly licensed, South Carolina District Building the Bridge endeavors to promote the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. For more information, visit buildingthebridgeministries.com or contact me at scbtbministries at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the South Carolina District Building the Bridge podcast. Uh, appreciate you all taking the time out to listen. And I'm excited about our guest tonight. And if you hadn't had a chance to um, listen to the trailer for this podcast, it kind of gives a little bit of an overview of what uh, my vision and hope and goal is for this this platform. Um, take a listen to that. And uh and, and, and stay connected to what we're doing in South Carolina with the Building the Bridge Ministry. Uh, but enough of that, uh, I want to introduce my guest today, uh, Pastor Ed Gann, who is also the South Carolina District Superintendent. Pastor Ed Gann and his wife, Nyla, moved to the beautiful city of Rock Hill, South Carolina in 2015 to serve as lead pastors of Christian Life Church. Uh, Rock Hill is a suburb of the Charlotte metro area and offers a wide variety of amenities, opportunities, and culture. Uh, Pastor Ginn has served as the South Carolina District Superintendent since 2019. Pastor Ginn is an alumni of Jackson College of Ministries, and his wife Nyla is an alumni of Gateway College of Evangelism. And open doors for their ministry have allowed them to travel extensively throughout the United States, Canada, and many countries around the globe. They have lived in Costa Rica, Central America, and Bolivia, South America, uh, all the while serving as missionaries with the United Pentecostal Church International. Both Pastor Gann and Nyla are passionate about teaching the Word of God and making it relevant for life today. To add to that, Pastor Gann is a member of the American Association of Christian Counselors and truly has a heart for helping people get from their present circumstance in order to move forward on the path that God has in mind for them. As a certified Symbis facilitator, Pastor Gann works with pre-marriage and post-marriage couples as they desire to make the most of their relationship together. Pastor Gann is a firm believer that a bad chapter does not have to determine a bad book and that God is more interested in your future than your past. Pastor Gann, again, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to sit down uh, with us today and just kind of talk a little bit about some things. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate uh, the introduction. Wow. <laughs> This is a uh, really uh, an honor for me, Brother Harold. I really, really appreciate the uh, invitation. 
think a lot of you and your wife and uh, just really excited about this. I hope that something I can say may be a, a help, give some guidance or some encouragement you know, to someone else. Uh, but I think this is a great thing you're doing, and I, I really appreciate your effort in making this happen. Yeah. Thank you, brother, and th- thank you. And I, I want to provide a little bit of uh, history about how we got here really quick and then um, share a little bit about where we're going here tonight. Uh, but for the listeners, I was appointed to the role of the South Carolina District Building the Bridge representative uh, back in October of 2022. And shortly after that appointment, I prayed and, you know, really, in a, and Pastor again, I shared this with you before, but, I, you know, really went on a listening tour to really understand or to hopefully try to understand how building the bridge has impacted both licensed ministers and uh, saints. And to say the least, I really did learn a lot. Uh, I learned quite a bit, actually. Uh, in the process, I felt it necessary to create a platform for others to hear how this ministry has impacted the church at large and, uh, you know, really want to try and create a space for apostolic leaders to discuss some of these issues dealing with race and culture today. And to do that, I thought that a podcast, every, you know, everybody's got a YouTube channel, everybody's got a podcast, <laughs> uh, but a podcast would be a great platform for something like that to happen. And and uh, you and I have had multiple conversations since then, and I felt it to be extremely important to have you on, you know, as my first guest as we kick this off, um, you know, to really, really share some of uh, your 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 uh, passion and some of the things that you've done throughout your um, your ministry and stuff. So, again, thank you. I'm, I'm super honored to get the uh, honor to get the chance to speak with you today. And so. Where we're going in today's episode is really, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your background in ministry, you know, maybe, you know, discuss briefly how you got started, where God placed you along the way. Um, And then, you know, let's talk about the importance of building the bridge ministry in South Carolina. And and if I if I had to say that there's one story that I'm really looking forward to hearing about tonight, and I think it'll be helpful for listeners is um, the story that you share with me previously about some racial opposition you faced when launching the church. So before we get there, let's um, let's just open this thing up and, and share a little bit about your background in ministry and how you got started. Well, I, uh, I, my story is probably different than everybody else. Everybody's got their own story. Some people feel a, a definite point where God spoke almost as if it's some audible voice from heaven. You know, God called them to preach. God called them to do a certain thing. Uh, for me, uh, it was more of a, a God pulling at my heart and like he was asking for more from me, a stronger commitment. And I didn't really know for sure what that was, what it was going to look like, where he was leading me. And and I learned and I encourage people the same thing today. And that is just keep taking steps. You know, God, God can open doors. He can close doors. And sometimes for me personally, uh, I can sense him saying no more so than hearing him say yes. So I just feel like that ultimately evangelism is the will of God. So if we are doing what we can to reach the loss, if we are doing what we can to advance the kingdom of God, then we are in the will of God. And uh, if he can, he can stop me, if I'm about to make a decision that's not his will, he can stop me. But if it has to do with advancing his kingdom, I just feel like if, if I'm willing to do it, why would he not bless me if it's his kingdom? So I have just uh, taken steps sometimes without certain clarity. Uh, but if, if an opportunity was there, I, I, I would jump in. You know, I, I wasn't one to kind of dip my toe in the water to see what it felt like, but if there was an opportunity, I just kind of jumped in to see what, what happens here. Uh, am I going to drown or am I going to learn to swim? 
and uh, I, I feel like I'm, I don't say that I I don't say this arrogantly. I don't think that I've accomplished a great deal. There's people who are better preachers than me. People who have accomplished a great more as far as the kingdom of God, pastoring churches, growing churches. Uh, but I do feel honored uh, beyond words that that God would use me in His kingdom, and and that's kind of how I got started. Just whatever opportunity came my way. After Bible school, I went to uh, Bossier City, Louisiana. Uh, Jerry Dean is pastor there now. He wasn't when I went there after Bible school, uh, but Jerry Dean's who I still consider to be my pastor today. And uh, I guess the first messages I ever preached was uh, in a nursing home there with the Bossier City Church. And, you know, it was it was very discouraging. First of all, I was just trying to find my way out to even put together a sermon, how to put together some thoughts and, and build a message and and then while I'm trying to look at these wheelchairs out there with guys with their heads hanging down and drooling on their chest, you know, I mean, it it was a uh, it was really hard, you know. I don't I don't say that to be critical, but I mean, you know, that's right. a little bit little bit discouraging, you know. How how is this affecting the kingdom of God? But then I noticed after a few weeks that there were the ladies working in the kitchen. They were coming out of the kitchen and sitting down in the back corner back there and listening to me. And then I got to notice that they were wiping tears and uh, getting Kleenexes, you know, wiping their face and blowing their nose and and, and, and I realize that's the congregation back there. Uh, so I, I just feel like any anywhere there's an opportunity to do something that can impact the kingdom of God, it is the will of God. And we need to be willing to step through that door. And, and I believe that as we take steps, the more steps we take, God, the Bible says he'll be a light to our path. And, and I believe that if I'll take one step, well, he'll give me light for the next step. And I don't always know where that's going to lead. I don't know what it's going to look like. But if I just keep taking steps, well, he'll lead me. He'll, I believe very strongly in the scripture says he'll order our steps, but sometimes for him to be able to order our steps, we got to quit trying to order them ourselves. Hmm. Amen. You know, what, what you've described, I think a lot of people can resonate with, but there's also that group, you know, I'm sure that, that would say, or, or, or we know that there exists within the church and within the ministry itself, you know, people automatically, you know, when they graduate from Bible college, they're going to go and have the biggest, biggest church, <laughs> yeah, the biggest right, and right. best church, the biggest and best platform, you know? And so, but you know, what you're describing is really, um, I, I believe a biblical approach to number one, to faith, um, not really knowing, not fully understanding, not, but just, just trusting God to take care of you. But then also that aspect of, you know, despising, not, or not despising humble beginnings, uh-huh. um, despising, the, not, not despising the small things. So, um, you know, uh, truly, truly for me, inspiring to hear, you know, that, that, um, you know, you didn't really necessarily hear this booming voice from heaven calling you, but you, you just, you just obeyed God, that still small voice and obeyed God, uh, in the end to, to get started there. So, um, that's, uh, that's great. So what, what, uh, what do you feel today is, um, you know, given the uh, the history of, say, building the bridge ministry, um, what do you feel today is important for the church to understand why this ministry exists? Well, I believe uh, I'll get to this here in just a moment when we talk about my experience with racial opposition. But yet, there are certain certain communities where I think that there is a a wider door of opportunity than maybe other locations, other communities. And uh, I, I feel like God strategically placed me in the South Carolina district, even though I had no idea how this was going to unfold and 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not politically inclined. I, I don't campaign. I don't, I, there's no way, no way I would have ever dreamed or planned on being the district superintendent. But again, you know, we, we, we just take steps and he orders our steps. And, uh, and, and anyway, I just, I just feel like looking back now, I realize I, I was strategically placed in South Carolina district because I do have a heart for all, all ethnicities, all, all nations. And, and uh, just just what a beautiful place that God brought us to here in the South Carolina District, and and I feel like building a bridge in South Carolina is a, is a beautiful thing because uh, South Carolina, the state of South Carolina, does have a, a pretty large percentage, you know, of, of, of African Americans and other ethnicities, and uh, it, it's you know I guess I'm, I'm I'm not necessarily struggling from words. I'm just trying to stay focused here without just rambling too much. Yes, but you know it. it Back, uh, you know, and and when George Floyd is, issue came out, you know, well, there was there was so much racial tension all over the nation, and, and I don't know how it was in other places in South Carolina, but I feel like where I'm at in Rock Hill, which, which is Charlotte Metro, but in our community here in Rock Hill, it seemed like the entire community rallied together. They they put forth effort to make sure we're not going to let this destroy our community. So I saw I saw a beautiful thing how our community not just the church, but the city came together and, and we worked through that. And, and I feel like that uh, at that time, what I learned was that uh, in, in those times of, of uh, stress and, 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 and potential problems within our communities, uh, I learned that the best thing that we can do is just simply be able to talk. And, and I've, got, I've got a very, very close friend Actually, he's the building bridge coordinator for Arkansas District. Frank Jordan's name. He's he's probably my closest friend on the planet. And uh, you know, I we we he's I, he holds me accountable. I hold him accountable. We talk, collaborate even on messages. I mean, just very very close. And, and so I talked to him. I, I said I said Frank. I said what 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 do we need to be doing? What what's what's the problem here? What can I be doing? And and he said mainly just just be able to talk, have dialogue, where people don't feel intimidated or feel uh, threatens, but if we can just talk and understand each other, and uh, that that was uh, kind of led me on the path there to not being afraid to ask questions, even in my local church. Here, my local church is probably close to fifty percent African American, and and it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love it here. I feel like I'm very very close to heaven. Actually, I uh, just love where I'm at and what God's led me to. But when I when I realized that, I I didn't. I ceased being feeling like it was going to be awkward just to sit down with somebody and ask them about their culture. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, I, I guess, just the building a bridge concept just kind of opened me up to how necessary it is for us to talk, understand each other, your, your background, how you were raised, how can I understand you better so that I can be a better pastor, uh, that I can meet your needs and we can work together. Instead of, uh, instead of expecting people to adapt to a certain culture we need to understand each other's culture so that we can work together that's right well let me let me ask you this so we we know that there are a lot of a lot of uh you know divisive politics when it comes to racial issues and you know i'm sure that there are some in uh in the church that would say well maybe we should just you know avoid discussing those things um because we don't want to take sides but you know what? What would you say to the listener, to the minister, to the saint who maybe feels that building the bridge is just another attempt to appease 
some of these diversive national politics? I would, I would say that, that anything that presents an opportunity or, or motivates us to try to work together more or to try to have this dialogue, understand each other more and work together, I would say it's a positive thing uh, because we, we can all talk about unity. Uh, but yet sometimes it's easy for people to feel, uh, that, you know, they're, uh, 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 and I'm hesitant to say the word here, but somebody maybe feels a superiority, uh, not, not saying that somebody is, is wrong. You know, I'm better than you. We don't want to say that, but yet we do feel maybe that a certain culture is, has got more of an advantage than somebody else. And, and I think that we need to understand that. You know, we, we, we need to understand each other and realistically be able to look at where you're at, where I'm at, how are we going to be able to work together? Help me understand you so we can work together and have a stronger bond of unity because God always blesses. God always is attracted to a, a, an atmosphere of unity. So if, if we don't initiate these conversations, if we don't initiate this, this, this effort to, to build a stronger bond of unity, uh, then the kingdom of God is going to be limited. And I think building a bridge is what helps uh, initiate the, this understanding, this conversation, this working together. So you earlier you mentioned uh, the church you started in Arkansas, and um, I want to kind of transition into that story where you shared where you faced some racial opposition. And so... I have a little bit of a background of the story, but if you if you wouldn't mind just kind of starting from the beginning on how you felt the Lord leading you to Arkansas and then your experience there. It's a it's a it's a it's a for me, it's a p pretty powerful story um, that you shared a little bit that you did share with me. So if you wouldn't mind talking about that. Uh, it, it's in my bio there that you shared mentioned that we were global missionaries. We were living in uh, uh South America, living in Bolivia, and uh, my wife's health crashed. Uh, we we had to return back to the states for for her health reasons, and wasn't sure you know what to do, where to go. I talked to my district superintendent at the time, Brother Thomas, Bill Thomas, and then anyway, I won't go into all the details of how this happened, but we ended up going to Harrison, Arkansas, to start a church, and I. It was, it was a beautiful town, you know, mountain town, about 30 miles from Branson, Missouri. And I had no idea that there were, you know, I mean, there, obviously there, there were not that, there wasn't that much of a, a African-American black uh, uh, community there. There were very few, very few people there, but yet I didn't really understand why. Uh, we went there, there was a need, there needed to be a church there. I was following the advice of my superintendent and, uh, so we went there to start the church, started, you know, in the home and just kind of started a plant church, a church plant like, like other people do, you know, went from a, a, a home to a community building we could rent per service. And, and then we ended up renting a storefront. Uh, but, but yet I didn't really realize the dynamics of that community. And, uh, after I was already there, I, I found out that there was a strong, strong, uh, uh, I guess a stronghold of racism there. Uh, and, and in fact, it, even before it got to uh, the, the KKK, which I'll get to in just a moment, but even just the Hispanic community, some of the new people coming to church, some of them are new converts, some of them are people who had moved in from another state. 
And uh, I found out that there was, I, I believe that everybody, everybody needs an opportunity to experience the truth. And I think that our churches, our churches should be a reflection of the community. So that means if, if our community has African-Americans, if our community has Asians, if our community has Russians, right now we're working on trying to start having a bilingual service reach into the Russian community. So whatever is in the community needs to be representing the church. And uh, we had, I found out that there was a company that had signed a contract and, and they brought in 90 Hispanics, which there weren't that many Hispanics in the community at that time. So I found out where they were staying. I went down and started trying to teach Bible studies. I just come back from Bolivia. Uh, they wanted to come to church. We had a church man. We, we were bringing the church. I had a man approach me, and he said, you're not fixing to start catering to the Mexicans, are you? And I said, no, no, I'm not going to start catering to the Mexicans any more than I'm going to cater to the whites. And and he got a little upset about that, you know, and then I come to find out that he was one who was very, very strongly racist in our church. And then I, I, I began to find out more about the KKK and a guy named Thomas Robb. Uh, he's, he's like the head of the KKK now. And he was in a little community just outside of Harrison, Arkansas. He was, uh, he was actually a, a pastor of a, of a denominational church. And he was also, he was a pastor and he was also the head of the KKK. Uh, so me and some other friends, uh, from pastor of other churches, denominational churches, a charismatic church, uh, the pastor of the largest Baptist church in town. Uh, pastor of the first Christian church in town. Several of us just started getting together and drinking coffee. There was no ministerial alliance, but we just started getting together and building friendships, understanding each other and uh, drinking coffee. And, uh, you know, we knew we were different. We knew we had some differences in doctrine, uh, but yet we just wanted to build build friendships, understand each other. And uh, then it grew to the point that we started meeting, at, rotating around, meeting at different churches and just having prayer meetings, praying together, and we started praying against the spirit of racism in our community. Uh, one of the, uh, the, well, in fact, it was the man who was the pastor of the first Christian church. The mayor was part of his congregation. And just in passing one time in a message, he mentioned that we were praying against the spirit of racism, you know, in our community. Uh, the mayor found out about it, and he asked us to establish, be a part of what he labeled as the mayor's task force on race relations and uh, we started building a little more uh a little more focus a little more organization to what we were trying to do and uh, as soon as it got out uh it became more public knowledge then because the mayor had initiated this and the next thing we know for our weekly prayer meetings well uh, they were we were getting packed out people showing up and they would come and interrupt our prayer time. They were cussing us out. They were telling us to leave it alone. This is why I moved here because of this. Uh, there's because there's no blacks here, and this was the kind of stuff I was hearing. And we kept on, and uh, we we kept praying. They kept showing up, threatening. I had threats that they're going to burn my house down if we didn't stop this. This kind of thing was what was going on. Uh, ended up, uh, I don't I don't remember all the details here. This went on for you know a couple of years, but. Uh, and, and what year? What year are we talking? I'm sorry. What year are we talking? Okay, this would have been in 2002. Okay, okay. 2002, 2000. Well, I see. We we moved there to start the church in 2002. So this may have been maybe 2003 to five, somewhere along in there when this when this took place. And in in my mind, in my mind, I was just totally stunned. I mean, I was absolutely stunned to find out that there actually was still 
a KKK alive and well in our community. Uh, so anyway, we just kept praying about against it and dealing with the threats and just, just kind of moving on. Uh, actually, uh, PBS came there and did a documentary. I think the documentary is called Banished. And uh, they focused on three different communities, and Harrison, Arkansas was one of them. Uh, but we we put together, it was on the, uh, I forget what the day was. It was some kind of a holiday. Uh, it was a, a, maybe it was Martin Luther King's birthday or something like that. But anyway, there was some significance to the day. And we had a community uh, rally on the courthouse. And myself, along with several other pastors, all the pastors that wanted to participate, we had a symbolic uh, dusting uh, each other's feet off, you know, washing each other's feet, dusting the past off and initiating a new day for our community. And uh, then shortly after that, uh, there was a trucking company there called uh, uh, America's uh, American Freightways. And FedEx Ground bought them out, and that's now the headquarters of FedEx Ground. Well, FedEx found out what we were doing, and their HR department came and talked to us, and they wanted to take it over. And uh, it, it was a FedEx initiative, you know, the the task force for race relations. And they started recruiting, you know, people coming in of, of different races and all. And and I, now I don't know what the what the demographics are in that community now. I don't know. I've been waiting there for quite a while. But anyway, that was that was the season that we went through there that you you were asking about. So through 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 all of that, where you so you're you're building this church, you're having this community uh, outreach and this community, this powerful community um, drive, really to to stump out and banish and you know uh, have God ask God to do away with this racism that's there. How is the church? What what's the church like at that time? Like your church that you're building? Are we were you seeing um, an uh, you know an increase of um, of people coming from the black community to join your church, um, no, other races joining your church or at that time, there really weren't, there still weren't that many in, in the community. And that's, that's what all the accusations when they were coming and interrupting our prayer meetings and cussing us out and all that kind of stuff, they were thinking that our motive was to try to start bringing in bus loads of African-Americans, you know, to infiltrate our community. That's, that's the, uh, and it wasn't that. It was not trying to force any kind of a demographic change. It was just trying to break what I consider to be a spiritual stronghold. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if that stronghold is broken, well, we can we can let the future unfold as it will. Uh, but but yet, and, and in fact, even before this, my wife reminded me of this just the other day, that even before we went to Harrison, way before we even went to South America and was Global Missionaries, she was at her, we were assisting her father-in-law at his church in the Little Rock metro area. And she had a van load of, of ladies. Actually, let me, if it's okay to share this here, I don't want to take too much time, but let me share this. No, please. Come this. Yeah, please. This was back and this season, this would have been probably in the mid nineties or so. I was assisting my father-in-law. My father-in-law was not a racist man at all. He loved all people, but the church that he had, had been voted in at the church, he had been pastor for many years. It was it was just a, a white congregation, uh, no resistance from anybody. But that's just the way it was. It just there just were there was no uh, other races in the congregation, and I was his assistant. And my 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 wife took some of the ladies in the church van and went to Branson for a ladies trip. They stopped in Harrison, Arkansas. This was way before we ever moved there. 
and knew anything at all. But but we, she stopped to let the ladies have have a restroom break, and there were a few uh, uh, black ladies in the van, and they wouldn't get out of the van. And she she said, "What's wrong?" She said, "We know better than to get out in this place. We're not getting out of here. It's not safe for us here." And and we had we had no idea of that. But but anyway, prior to that, uh, the the church was predominantly white. And I was just one morning, I was just hungry. I was just, I, man, I was just so hungry to do something for God. Uh, I was just the assistant pastor at that time. And uh, I, I went to the church all by myself one Saturday morning and just went to the prayer room, just started praying. Uh, God, show me what to do. Help me, Lord. Find an open door. What can I do? It's such a heavy burden. And I left the church and just started walking down the street from the church. I thought, I'm just going to knock on doors and see if I can get a Bible study. And the very first door I knocked on, uh, it was a man there. He was a white man. And, and I just asked him, you know, to, if I could talk to him a little bit about his relationship with God. You know, and boy, he started cussing me out and said, get off my property. It's none of your blank, blank business, what I think about God and all this kind of stuff. So and it, as soon as that was over with, I thought, I guess I need to go back to church. I'm not up to this. <laughs> right. And, and I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, I'll try a little bit longer, you know. So I, I went to the, the house right next door, the house right next door. Uh, I knocked on the door. It was a black lady came to the door, and I started talking to her. And within five minutes, she was just weeping and crying, wiping tears. We got a Bible, got a Bible study started. Uh, she came to the church, got the Holy Ghost, and baptized. All of her family came, and and I mean, within less than a year, you know, I mean, the church was was a, a very very diverse congregation, and it still is to this still is to this day. So that's where you know what I was going to say with my wife, you know, she, she took some of these ladies on this trip and, and they wouldn't get out in Harrison. So, you know, it just, uh, and, and again, it's no forced intention. Of we have to change the demographic demographics of this church, but I believe that if the stronghold is broken and there's love for all people present in that church, people will feel an attraction and they'll know they're safe. They'll know they feel comfortable. They'll know they'll be accepted. And, and that's the way it ought to be. Amen. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I want to say to anybody listening, I think uh, w one thing you highlighted is every, every, er, uh, most of what you talked about and what let your first steps started with prayer. And so, you know, I want to say to anybody, you know, who might be thinking about um, what to do or something to do for God in the realm of uh, trying to uh, reach out and, and, you know, maybe reach a different culture or a different race uh, other than what you are or what the predominant races of your church, you know, start it with prayer. Yeah. Um, ask God to, 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 to lead you and to guide you um, and to, to be with you and protect you, give you a shield against people who want to use expletives to yeah. uh, tell you to get off their porch. You know? right, right. Um, and so what, what, what would you say, uh, Pastor again, to somebody who is newly licensed with United Pentecost Church International, you know, or even a seasoned minister, who may feel a divine tug to reach a different racial group than uh, than himself or herself? Uh, I would just say, for me personally, I think that we need to be involved in the community. Uh, I'm my, personally, I'm I'm somewhere just about every day, uh, drinking coffee, having breakfast, uh, and I I go to some people try to ban Starbucks because of you know their their political views and what they promote as far as transgender and that kind of thing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? If they can hang the rainbow flag up there, well, I can sit there and read my Bible. Uh, and and so, you know, I'm 
I'm, I'm intentional about being involved in the community. There's one of my favorite breakfast spots, and I go there, and I'm probably the only white face that'll be in that place. And I sit down with them, and, and I mean, they love me. They respect me. And I walk, hey, Rev, how you doing today? You know, I mean, uh, and I just feel like that we need to be intentional about building relationships. And, and you know, it's easy to just kind of stick with our comfort zone, so to speak. And I don't feel uncomfortable around anybody. I really don't. But yet some people might feel like, well, you know, they're not my people. Well, try to make them your people. Uh, intentionally, intentionally build relationships. And and I just feel like that that's, that's uh, you know, if, if you build relationships, well, then I feel like that before we can win people to the Lord, we have to win them to ourself. Uh, we, we, we have to earn, I have to earn trust before I can really have influence on them uh, in any way, really. So I just feel like being actively involved in the community and uh, I make it a point. I go to the post office. Sometimes it takes me 20 minutes to get out of the post office because I'm just engaging with people, talking to people. And, and, uh, I just feel like being intentional about building relationships is, is probably one of the most important things about, you know, uh, uh, keeping racism at bay, but also just doing work for God, building the kingdom of God. Uh, we have to be, build relationships with people, all people, any people. Amen. And then, you know, with regard to, you know, racial and cultural diversity, what do you feel is important for the church of the 21st century to know? Well, I think we need to be intentional. And these are things that are probably part of the foundation, the building blocks of building a bridge. I just think we have to be intentional about the inclusion, you know, uh, uh, and, and I think I'm, I'm honored to be part of the South Carolina district and, and we, we have, uh, it's been well received here. I feel like that I intentionally get, you know, there's some, some positions that are voted on, uh, some positions we appoint. So when I have the opportunity to appoint somebody, I try to appoint some diversity. So we're given the appearance that, you know, that, that we, we need to have leaders, leaders from cross-cultural, you know, and, uh, uh, so even you were part of our, our, our camp meeting service and all we, I appointed you, you know, as the, as the building the bridge creator. So, uh, I've tried to include, uh, when we have opportunities to even begin our camp meeting services, we did five minutes of fire. You know, I was very intentional making sure that I have some from the African American community that's, in, that's a part of this. I want them to feel like they are a part of us and not a segment of us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I think that. The, the relationships and also being intentional and being intentional, how you, how you think, how you plan, how you organize, uh, is, is, has to be a part of us moving, moving forward in the future. If, what would you say to a, a minister who is, is in another state and, you know, maybe they, by the grace of God, they get a hold of this podcast <laughs> and they're here, they're hearing you speak and they're, they're hearing your passion, they're hearing your drive, uh, what do you say to that minister who's who's on the fence about, you know, moving to South Carolina um, or praying about moving to South Carolina and is just waiting on that that confirmation for God from God? What would you say to that minister who wants to come here and, you know, start a church, um, you know, say in a, in a culturally diverse community? Well, I would I would say the I would I have, I'd have to be careful. I am just super. Yes, sir. You know, I can't. I can't be actually recruiting somebody to leave somebody else's church, you know. I mean, understand the, the, the ethics involved, you know, communication with your pastor, that type of thing. But if somebody is considering 
uh, an opportunity where they can come and do a work for God. Uh, I think we are on a growth trend right now in the South Carolina district. And and I say that not just, I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, we got record offerings. You know, everybody, every department, you know, having record offerings, well, it's easy to write a check and not necessarily involve yourself. So uh, I think that one of the markers I see, one thing that excites me, not only are we having record offerings in South Carolina, but we're also having record attendance to our district events. So that shows me that there is more buy-in. There's people who are ready to respond to the vision uh, that we're trying to have have a new uh, a new vision going forward here for the South Carolina district. So I think it's a it's it's a great opportunity right now for somebody to come here and work and and do a work for God. There's plenty of opportunity. We got 13 counties that doesn't have a United Pentecostal Church. So if somebody's looking for a place where they, it's not going to be easy. If somebody's looking for a place where their first question is going to be, how much am I going to get paid? Well, maybe this isn't a place to come. Uh, but if, if they're looking for an opportunity where they can be, make an impact on the kingdom of God, uh, they'll, I think they'll get plenty of support and encouragement, uh, do what we can to help somebody, anybody, everybody. Uh, South Carolina is a, is a great place to be right now. And I think I'm really excited about the future. I think we are on a trend. That, that is going to, going to really, really uh, be in, intensified going forward here. Things are really going to be shifting into another gear in the future of the South Carolina district. So there's plenty of opportunity. Somebody, and I guess I can back that up. What I said a while ago, uh, it, it, it changed my mind. When I was thinking about coming to South Carolina, actually, we planted the church. I didn't finish the church in Harrison, Arkansas, but uh, God gave us favor in that community through it all. Uh, we we just we didn't try to fight with anybody. didn't try to pick a fight with anybody. Uh, I just tried to stay focused on the positive message of, of God's truth, you know, and, and, and just try to do what I felt was the will of God, regardless of who agreed or who didn't agree, but I didn't try to pick a fight with anybody. But somehow, somehow that church planning process, we just found favor, uh, you know, because of some of these, these times that we would have rallies, you know, with these, with our, our task force of race relations or times we'd have a service, uh, an evening service at one of them's church. And all of us were participating for whatever reason, I don't know how it happened, but it just seemed to always happen that whenever the newspaper was there and they were taking pictures, I was always the one on the front page. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, somehow I just gained favor in that community, even though there was some opposition from a certain element of it. But yet uh, many people in the community uh, knew me, received me, and, and, and I, I, was, I just had some favor in that community. As a result, uh, we were able to, early on, we were able to buy four and a half acres right in the middle of town. Uh, we were able to get the financing to be able to build a, a new church building, beautiful building still there today. The church is still doing good today. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just, you know, we just had favor in the community, except for that one segment, that one element that was opposition uh, toward us. So uh, anyway, when we, we left there, our transition leadership of that church uh, and we spent a couple of years just kind of uh, uh, preaching around, traveling some, preaching. And and I got approached by Brother Beebe, who was the North American Missions Director here in South Carolina. I didn't know him. I didn't know anything about South Carolina District. But I had preached for a guy in Florida a couple of different times. Uh, he found out, he reconnected to me after we came back from South America. He found out that we had planned a church, transition leadership of it. And now I, I was praying about the next step. So he gave my, my name and number to Brother Beebe. Brother Beebe called me, and I, I said, no, I'm not interested. You're going to a strange city. I don't know anybody. Never, never met anybody there. Don't have any team to go with me. I'll just go there and start from scratch. You know, I was 51 years old. I said, no, I don't think I'm up to that. Thanks for the call. Uh, so anyway, that was over with, I thought. 
but uh, the seed was planted. So uh, once that seed was planted, well, it was just something started stirring inside my spirit. And as I was traveling preaching, I was trying to recruit people to go to South Carolina because <laughs> I knew the need was there. No, nobody would go, but I was trying to recruit. I didn't think I was the guy, but I was trying to recruit some young guys to go, uh, and nobody, nobody would go. And and I was talking to my pastor, Brother Jerry Dean, and he said, he said, Eddie, you know, he said, he said, we all want to hear from God. We want to hear, we love to see the billboard. We love to hear the audible voice from heaven. Uh, but he said, the will of God is, as I mentioned earlier, said the will of God is, is evangelism. The will of God is advancing his kingdom. So if there's a need and you and your wife are available and willing to go, why do you think God wouldn't bless you? So, so we left, we went to, we went to Columbia, you know, and started the church there in Columbia. So, uh, I just feel like if somebody is looking, you know, maybe maybe you don't hear the audible voice from God. Uh, maybe you're wondering about, you know, jobs. and all, There's a lot of things to consider. you got to support your family. I get all that. Uh, but I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that if you'll put the kingdom of God first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. So I feel like even when I've been elected to establish churches, I never even asked what the pay was going to be. I just feel like if, if I'm doing the will of God, God's obligated to take care of me. Amen. That's so well. So I, I just feel like if somebody is looking, somebody is praying, somebody is seeking, you know, where they can be involved in, in doing a work for God, there's plenty of opportunity in South Carolina. And I just encourage somebody, don't, don't, don't neglect what the Scripture teaches about walking by faith. Amen. Amen. And so, Pastor, again, we, we are, I want to be respectful of your time. And so I do, but I do want to, um, ask you one last question and just kind of uh, have you talk a little bit about the South Carolina District Vision. Um, I thought it was obviously it's 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 uh, has a multiplicity of applications, but especially for building the bridge, and that's the 2023 vision: reach up, in, and out. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I, I will, and I think that as you mentioned that building the bridge, this this plays really well in with building the bridge because. First of all, reach reach up. Uh, that means that we have to reach up to God. We have to have God's intervention. We're nothing without Him. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We have to have His anointing. We have to have His blessing. Uh, we, we can do our best to strategize and put plans in place, uh, but yet those plans better be anointed. Those plans better have God's favor on them, all over them. Uh, so we have to reach up to Him. Uh, and then in every every district event, every time we come together, we have to reach up to God. We want his blessing or his anointing. We yield ourselves to him, but then we need to reach in. And, and that's where building the bridge could be a part of this, uh, this because reaching in is strengthening our unity. It's strengthening our relationships. Now, we're not just a bunch of uh, independent entities trying to do a work for God, but we are the South Carolina district. We are a body of believers, so we reach in together. We build relationships. We strengthen relationships. We pray together. We worship together. We prayer walks together. We we do what we can together as a body, uh, and that involves everybody, everybody coming together and working together. We reach in by strengthening our unity, strengthening our local churches, making sure every local church is healthy and growing. Uh, and then after we reach up and we reach in, then and after then, are we prepared to effectively reach out, which is our evangelism efforts and establishing daughter works and 
expanding our, 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 you know, multiplying our number of ministers and multiplying our number of churches, but, but we're, we were better prepared to be able to reach out and do what needs to be done in South Carolina after we've uh, done our reaching up and our reaching in. Hope that makes sense. Yes, no, it it does absolutely, and I can I can definitely attest and feel your heartbeat for evangelism. And you've said multiple times in this uh, episode that you know the will of God is evangelism, and you know our church, Ephesus Church, as you alluded to, we're we're there. Of course, it had a different name when you were when you had uh, started it, um, what twelve years ago. Uh, but we, you know we're there because of your passion and burden for evangelism. Um, and so, you know, from the bottom of my heart and I'm sure my pastor would as well just say thank you, you know, for your for that, for sharing that and for sharing your passion with this state and for being here and for being uh, our bishop <laughs> and uh, helping to lead us, uh, you know, into the future uh, with with especially here this year with that fantastic vision for reach in, reach up, or reach up, reach in and reach out. So thank you very much. And. Um, any, any last words you want to share before I close this out? No, no, I'll just say again, I really appreciate your vision and your passion. And I've sensed that as I've gotten better acquainted with you. Thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're going to do. And, and even though we do take some steps that are just kind of trial, you know, to see if this will work, see if we can get some traction with this, get some momentum going with this. But as long as we keep trying to move forward, I tell people all the time, direction is more important than speed. So, so if we just keep trying to move forward, uh, we'll, we'll learn a little bit along the way and we'll get better as we go. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, this podcast here is, is a step in the right direction. I think this could be a very, very powerful tool, uh, for, for, that could be a help to a lot of people. So I, I consider a great, great honor to be able to be in this position with the South Carolina district. Uh, but, uh, I'm just one individual that takes a team and we, we've got a good team. We've got a good team, good papership. And and again, I'm thankful that you're a part of that. Amen. Me too. Uh, and I'm I'm honored and glad that you asked me to. And um and so I look forward to working with you and working with others uh, to advance the gospel uh, within the state of South Carolina. And so uh, before before I ask you to pray, I do want to let everybody know, of course, um, if you're unfamiliar, uh, if, but if you want to connect with the South Carolina District, visit www.scdistrict.org. Um, and if you'd like to engage with me with regard to building the bridge, you can email me at scbtbministries at gmail.com uh, and be sure to remember to share this podcast. And so, uh, Brother Gain, with that, will you close us out in prayer? Okay. Uh, Lord, we're thankful, dear God. We're thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to serve in your kingdom. Uh, we're just thankful, Lord, for the doors that you have open, the doors you're going to open. Uh, we're thankful, Lord, for the vision that, that you're revealing to us and we try to pursue that vision thankful for the leadership we have here as we all lock arms and work together pray together worship together to evangelize the 5.2 million people in this state dear god i just pray that you will continue to let your anointing be on us give us guidance and direction order our steps show us light for the next step dear god and and just pray that you will help us help us dear god to continually be doing our best to to advance your kingdom, God. Uh, use us however you, you will. And uh, we'll pray that your blessing be upon this podcast, be upon uh, Brother Harold, uh, building the bridge ministry in our state. And just pray that you would bless it. Let it be let it be useful, a, a tool that, that we can all benefit from, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Registration is now open for the 2023 Building the Bridge Conference in Houston, Texas. The conference will be hosted at Royal Wood Church from June 14th to the 16th, 2023. At Building the Bridge Conference, we will, with love, wisdom, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, answer tough questions, address the elephants in the room, and lead the discussions we must have. Let's lock arms and enter the fields. The harvest is ready. For registration information, please visit buildingthebridgeministries.com.